Hey guys, welcome to The Whole Veterinarian. My name is Dr. Stacy Cordovano, and you know we've got some stuff going on in this profession of ours. On this podcast, I will speak with outside-of-the-box thinkers to hear new ideas on ways to improve our day-to-day life. I want veterinarians to learn to be happier, healthier, wealthier, and more grateful for the life that we've created. Now let's get started. Hey guys, this episode is a little bit different. You're going to hear a conversation between a very good friend of mine, Dr. Misty Gray. You kind of get an insight on our conversations as mothers, and it's a little bit like we're inviting you into our mom tribe to hear the kind of candid conversations that happen in real life. Misty is a 2007 graduate of Louisiana State School of Veterinary Medicine. She's been an equine practitioner in New Jersey for the past 13 years. She and her husband, Dave, have two awesome little boys that they are enjoying raising in Reddington area, New Jersey, along with their two insane cats and very cute dog. Listen in. I hope you enjoy. And here's a chat I had with Dr. Misty Gray. Um, Hey, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? Good. You know, the lawnmower is going in the background. It's a good day. (laughs) Anyway. Um, I wanted to talk today about your experience with postpartum depression. I know that it's not exactly a veterinary topic, but we are largely a female-dominated profession. I know that when you experienced it, I had not experienced anyone close to me, so I was wholly unprepared to help you. Not that I necessarily could have helped you, but I was wholly unprepared, and I was just thinking that If anyone's listening that is either going to be pregnant or friends with people who are pregnant, this is a topic that might help them. So I was hoping that you might be willing to share your story today. Yeah, definitely. Postpartum depression. I mean, now now I think they're calling it postpartum mood disorders. It ranges a bigger span of symptoms or feelings rather than just depression. It's interesting because there's so much talk about it and you hear about it, you know, at all of your prenatal visits and there's a lot of like celebrity feedback and yeah, social media type of stories. And so it's not that it's something that people don't know about. And yet still, I think I was pretty unprepared for what it would feel like or what it could look like. Maybe the best place to start is just from, you know, so from the beginning, I, like you said, I have two boys. At this point in life, I have a different perspective or maybe a more well-rounded perspective of what my initial experience was because my experience really came about with my first son with following my first pregnancy. And now that I've had a second experience that was really different, I think that it kind of solidifies to me just how impacted I was the first go round. Mm-hmm. That's probably the hardest part of all of it is that you don't know. You can read about the symptoms and you can listen to somebody else talking about the symptoms. But so much of what just new motherhood in general is so overwhelming and exhausting. And then if you have an infant that is not a unicorn baby, those don't really come about all that often. But you know, some people have them. Apparently they're out there. (laughs) They're there. You can know about it and then still not know in the moment. Are you just tired because you have a 
baby, you know? I mean, some of the symptoms are just like exhaustion, confused, you don't feel like a great mother, you doubt yourself, there might be a little anxiety, like you're exhausted. Right. So you just described every single new mom. Right. And then when you're coming from, like, I I think a lot about people in our profession, because so many of us are perfectionists, really, really driven and focused and very trained and skilled. You work hard enough, you figure something out. Yeah. And if, if there's not an answer, you can find it in a book or in literature, or if you ask the right person or find another professional or you consult or, and also very trained at taking our own feelings and concerns, pushing them down, shoving them, shoving them down, bury it down and then carry on to get the job done. You know, whether that's a colicky horse or crashing hit by car dog, or in this case of colicky infant. You just take that like feeling of overwhelmed, oh my goodness, or, you know, I don't want to get out of bed and you just get out of bed. You know, you just Mm -hmm. do it. You don't feel good about it, but Mm -hmm. you do it because your job as you know it right then is to keep this person alive. And so, yeah, so the first time was really tough and was definitely not normal. So it wasn't, this is hard because it's just hard. I did know it or I suspected it in the moment and Now, having done it again, I've had another baby who was not a unicorn baby. I mean, Tyler was easier in a lot of ways than Jesse was. And some of that probably comes just from the experience. And like, you're just, you know, you've given up the idea of control (laughs) by that point. But he wasn't, it's not like he was a unicorn baby. I held him for every nap for 17 weeks, you know, like I had mastitis four times. It's not like that was some magical, easy experience. And yet I never felt in my second go round the way that I did in my first. I remember over and over again telling myself like, you were right. That experience, that wasn't right or normal. That could have been better. Can you elaborate a little bit on what you were feeling in the moment with after the first? So, you know, a lot of people talk about like the birth experience. You know, they're entering in concerned about if you had a traumatic birth or the birth didn't go the way that you had planned it. And none of that was my case. I had a fabulous pregnancy. It was pretty easy. I felt good. I was able to work right up until I decided I wasn't going to work anymore. And then I had a week off where I was like, you know, what am I going to do with all of this time? <laughs> <laughs> Let's plant some tulips. (laughs) And then I, you know, I had, I wanted to have an unmedicated delivery if possible. Like I felt like if the horses can do it, I can do it or I should be able to do it. That's sort of a hard comparison to me. I know, but listen, for those of you that don't know me, that is my area of practice. I mean, I, I, do brood mares and breeding, among other things. But I have always marveled at how like these horses have no under they have no idea. There's no preparation and they're pretty graceful about it, you know? So I figured, surely, like we're made to do this. I can do it. <laughs> so I did. And the labor was intense, but I like 12 hours and the baby was born and no real complications. And so like the birth experience was exactly what I had planned for. Which is pretty amazing actually. Yeah, it is. And like we, I was in a hypnobirthing group and of the nine of us, I think two of us had the labor and delivery experience that we had hoped for and everybody else had one of the millions of things that change what happens in the moment. Because that was one of my things, like if something doesn't go well or doesn't turn out the way that it's supposed to, I assume that there's something I have done to create that when I wasn't feeling good after having the baby, 
I tried to blame it on myself. You know, yeah. it started out where I, I felt really nervous about, you know, like if he wanted to nurse too soon and like cluster feeding that he wasn't getting enough. And then like it turned into the cycle of like really fixating on all of these details. I think I felt so out of control that I had like an app and a notebook where I would write basically like I was trying to make treatment sheets for my infant, you know, like what side did he nurse on? How long? When was his last bowel movement? How long did he sleep? And like, where is he on the eat, wake, sleep cycle? And And this comes back to that whole idea of we're used to being able to figure it out. Like there's a plan, there's a path, there's something, but this ain't anything (laughs) we've ever done before. Well, and if, at least for me, if I feel out of control, I assume that if I am organized enough, I can rein it back in, that I can like direct the flow or, and when you have a new baby, you know, the, that was the biggest reckoning for me was that I have no control. Yeah. Like I don't control what time I wake up. I don't control how much sleep I get. I don't control when I eat. I don't control anything. (laughs) So that part was really hard. And, And you are tired, right? Like tired, tired. But I remember from the moment the baby was born, I was so just depleted. Like I just felt exhausted. And that made sense, right? I mean, I'd done 12 hours of natural labor. Mm-hmm. But you know, they're talking about you're supposed to have this like oxytocin release and you feel so proud of what you've done. And I, I really didn't experience that in the moment. I have this brand new baby. I've checked all the boxes and like I just didn't feel it. You know, like I felt, I felt dampened or depleted or, you know, just down Mm -hmm. from the beginning. And I thought, well, I'm overwhelmed or, uh, you know, I'm just worked really hard. I did have some blood loss. So like, maybe it's that I'll sleep it off, but like that part doesn't come. Yeah. And you know, like that magical moment is not a guarantee and and it's not a guarantee if you don't have it, that you have postpartum depression. No. You know, I think I read a stat that 85% of moms have what they call the postpartum baby blues. Baby which blues, lasts yep. a week or two where your hormones are all over the place. And yeah, I don't want anyone to think that just because you don't have this magical moment, you're going to have postpartum depression. But then for you, that feeling... It just carried on and it stayed that way. I felt really foggy. I really had trouble eating. So, you know, I was making myself eat because... One of the things we were really struggling with was milk supply. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I needed the calories, but I just felt nauseated all the time. Like it just, I felt bad. I have, like, I'm lucky to have a lot of people that love me and care about me. And even a couple of friends, one of my closest friends that had had two babies before me. And I think it's tough because I asked, I tried, I tried to talk to the people that I was close to, you know, and say, I don't know if I'm doing it right, or if I'm not sure I feel right. And I think that in their effort to be really supportive of me, they're like, no, you're doing great. It was really hard for me too. And, you know, that's, that's not to blame them. They love me and are trying to help me, you know, and say like, no, you're, we see you, you're like, look, you're taking care of your baby. This is a hard time. You have a really high needs infant, you know, all of these things. And I think what I wanted and what I've wanted several times throughout my five and a half years of motherhood so far is there are times when you just want somebody to say, this isn't right. You, you need to do something differently. And I think that's one of the big lessons as a woman that has been amplified in motherhood is that so often we really want an outside voice to confirm what we're feeling and we, our own 
voice is not enough. It's like listening to our own self say, you know, something's off or I, I need to change something. Like we know it on the inside and we want somebody else to confirm it. And in some of these really important things, they just can't. It has to be, it has to be you. You got to listen to that knowing. And so, you know, they do that postpartum screen when you go to your OB, however many weeks in, check the boxes or like failed miserably I, and knew it. You know, like as I'm answering the yes, do you cry every day? Yes. Do you have trouble sleeping? Yes. Failed. And I still, even then, I was supported and I remember them like the midwife, you know, I want to talk to you because your survey is a little bit concerning. Have you considered that you might have postpartum depression or do you think that you're, you know, you might be struggling with this? And I was like, yeah, I really, I, I really don't feel good. I mean, I answered your questions honestly. And even then there was like a suggestion made like, okay, well, we really should stay on top of it. We really should talk more about it. Let me give you a number so you can consider reaching out to talk to someone. Like. Even then, it was the perfect opportunity for someone to say, hey, take this seriously. This can be better for you. I still didn't get that confident, girl, you got to do something about this answer that I really think I wanted and that I shouldn't have needed. But yeah, I did end up eventually speaking to someone. So I went back to work when Jesse was three months old. And so it probably wasn't until after that like six month mark where I did finally go and that's the other thing. When do you go to a therapist? Like They tell you you want to go talk to somebody, but when is that supposed to be? Because you're either at home with a newborn mm-hmm. or in our case, often you're back at work. So the idea that I could actually go get any meaningful time with a professional just felt too hard, you know? Yeah. Or you feel just feel guilty leaving again. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you're in that kind of mindset, everything feels so hard already. Just don't do it. Yeah, I guess people are probably a little luckier now. There's more virtual options. Yeah. So I did eventually, when I was at work, I started having more symptoms of like panic attacks, anxiety attacks, and just felt terrible. And so I did finally speak to someone. The midwife at that appointment or one of the following appointments had actually written me the prescription for Zoloft. I never filled it early on. And again, I think that's just because there was that like, it still felt selfish you know, because they couldn't tell me for sure that the medication wouldn't have some sort of long-term impact on the baby. And I felt like he needed to nurse as long as possible because that's supposed to be the best thing for them. And it's like, it's just so easy to fall into that trap of, if it's just for me, then that's selfish. So I should, Mm -hmm. like, I'm doing okay. The baby's doing okay. Yeah. So yeah, that was really tough. And it the further away I got from it, the better I got. And the better I got, the more I looked at it and said like, man, I did myself a disservice because I feel like postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, I feel like that robbed me of a big portion of life, of like, you know, a big life experience that I would have liked to have been more present for and wasn't. Yeah. And then, then it comes around like, do you want to have another child? And we had always planned on having more than one baby, but I was so scared to feel that way again. But I was also able, my husband and I were both so much more educated on what to look for. 
And I was able to tell him and to tell you and to tell like, you know, some of other people that are close to me, like, listen, you have to call me out because I'm not capable of making that choice in the moment. And I'm worried about it. So I'm telling you right now, clear minded. Yeah. I do not want to feel that way. And I know that I know that I respond well to medication. And so if you see this happening and you're concerned, please, please tell me, hold me accountable. I don't want to do that again. And as it turns out, like the second go round was just a totally different experience. Now, I did end up going back on the Zoloft probably six weeks or so after Tyler was born. And it was different with him. I started having more of the intrusive thoughts, you know, like a lot of visual imagery of picture myself like walking up the stairs at the doctor's office and hitting his head on the wall. Accidental, not on purpose, not like purposeful harming, but right. it was like all day I would worst case scenario and I could feel that like feeling in my chest that I get when I start to get the anxiety kind of ramped up. So I'm glad that I did, you know, I was able to and I was able to make that choice for myself at that point. So comparing your second postpartum period to your first postpartum period, I know it was a couple of years later. You obviously have had the experience of having a child already, but what are your takeaways after having gone through the two different experiences? So I think what was most telling to me when you're comparing the two is that on paper, both experiences look really similar in that I had what many people would consider, you know, a textbook labor and delivery. I didn't labor for too long. My babies were born healthy. Both experiences were exactly what I wanted. And I got a beautiful little boy to bring home both times. I had a lot of breastfeeding challenges both times. I didn't have one of the babies that comes home and two weeks later is getting six hour stretches. So I, you know, I had the typical two hour sleeper. So both times on paper, everything lined up. The difference is strictly how I felt. And even, I mean, the second time I had a toddler at home, I actually had less physically present support the second go around, but I just felt so much better. Like I felt at peace. I missed the peace in round one. And there were moments of really intense joy, you know, where you have those like flooding moments of love where you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that this is my life. And Mm -hmm. so really it was internal, you know, because even with the first experience, I think most people would look at me and say, yes, she was a new mom that had a hard time and they would not see how differently I felt on the inside on round one versus round two. If you could go back, would you have filled the script that the midwife gave you for? Yes, definitely. My question to myself over and over again in those earlier days and weeks and months was constantly like, is this normal? Is it just that I'm not good at this? Is this what everybody experiences? And it's just that I'm not good at it. And that's why I feel this way. Or is this not normal? And so now I have the confidence to look back and say that was not normal that it can be common, but that doesn't mean that it's normal. And so, yes, with that confidence, I definitely would have filled the prescription and I would have hopefully reached out to speak to somebody sooner. For me, the meds make a huge difference. That one step alone is very helpful. I hadn't had a child yet when you had your first and I knew you'd pulled back, but 
it's also like someone's trying to learn how to be a new mom and it's the mm-hmm. winter and it's flu season and I knew you didn't want me to visit because of germs. And I look back and obviously I should have pushed harder, but it felt, well, first of all, I didn't know. And second of all, it seems hard to push that onto someone. But yeah. being a mother now, if someone asked me that in the midst of it, and actually you've asked me a few times, like, are you feeling depressed? I don't think I would take that offensively if I if I wasn't, you know? Right. So I guess I would recommend asking, do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. Because I think many of us are really lucky to have a group of people that care. And because they care, they don't want to hurt your feelings. You know, people want to be uplifting and bright. I, I think that when it comes to the heaviness that comes with true postpartum mood stuff, I think you have to be able to ask it boldly. Yeah. I agree with you. If it's a person that I know and love, and I know that they know and love me, and they ask that, and I am not experiencing that, that's not offensive. Right. It's just further proof that someone is asking and cares. And if I am experiencing it, then at least I know that someone sees me. I think the other thing that's so hard is that when you're talking to people, mothers in general have this almost like a code where you get to say something, some truth about something that's not great about motherhood, and then you have to follow it up with, you know, but I love them so much, or they're the best thing that ever happened to me. As a person that didn't have kids, all I really heard was a lot of like, I heard part B, you know, the... (laughs) This episode is not that, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I can't imagine my life without them. I mean, like, when you're in the middle of that, I could imagine my life without kids. Sure. You can still imagine it even when they're toddlers running around like maniacs. Yeah. And so... And like, I I remember even talking to a friend and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. She's like, well, Misty, who told you that this is going to be easy or wonderful? And I was like, you did. (laughs) You told me this was going to be great. It's the best thing that ever happened to you. She's like, well, yeah, it is, but it's really hard. So for anybody listening, sometimes it's just hard. Yeah. Like real hard. And some things you can't just figure your way out of. No. You know, you'll figure them out eventually. Or you'll figure out a different plan, but you're not going to read enough books to figure out how to get a bad sleeper to sleep. Like, they're not going to sleep. No. Like, maybe you can hire someone to help you get sleep. Right. Right. I am very thankful to you because you were definitely very honest about, you know, especially <laughs> breastfeeding, but all of it. It's tough. You know, they talk about having a, a village, but you don't know who you need in your village. You know, like it, it's got to be the right, the right fit. It does. I'm glad you're in my village. Me too. (laughs) Me too. Thank you for sharing your story. You're welcome. Do you have any advice that you give to new moms? Like I always write in cards. If you can't get away at all, try to get a 15 minute shower because it feels life altering in the beginning. No, I don't think I have a go to. Trust your gut. Yeah, I think you got to listen to yourself. That's my advice to myself every single day, even just as a person or as an employee or as a mom, as a wife, whatever. Is What I have found over and over again is that when my gut is pushing me in a direction, sometimes I don't realize until it's way down the road and it's hindsight, but you know, it's pretty true. That gut instinct is pretty well honed in us, so got to listen to ourselves. I didn't ask you, but I ask everyone, what is one small thing that has brought you joy this past week? Oh, there's been a lot of them. That's good. Yeah. One thing 
I have started going on a walk in the mornings by myself. By yourself. Mm -hmm. And I like to picture myself like a Disney princess, like nature and songs. Birds tweeting. Yeah. And this morning, so this morning I went on a walk and like at one point in the way, there was this cute little bunny and then there was a red-tailed hawk that swooped by at another place. And like, really, the birds were singing. It was, I, yeah. We were in Snow White. That's what I felt like. That's good. I like that. Time alone is hard to enforce as a mother, but important, even if it's a small amount of time. I've obviously listened to all of your episodes. So I've heard you ask that question. I force you. I force you. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to make sure, you know, there there have been plenty of moments of joy this week. I'm kind of navigating a different stage of life. Um, and I've had a lot more time with my kids this week. And so like, there's been a lot of joy just with that, getting them out. We went and saw waterfalls. And But for this podcast, you know, when we're talking about self, recognizing things in ourself, I wanted to try to also highlight a moment of joy that was just for me. It's great. I appreciate that. Thanks so much to Dr. Gray for being so honest and open with me today. As always, thank you so much for listening to the Whole Veterinarian Podcast. I know this was a little bit of a heavier topic. I'm just trying to help women veterinarians realize that we are all affected differently by different aspects of our life. And motherhood has been a big part of my life. And I know it will be a big part of many of your lives as well. So I just want to make sure that you're aware of all the different things that can happen. I just want to highlight a few statistics from the Mayo Clinic. Approximately 85% of moms will have postpartum blues. That means a week or two of really difficult hormone regulation, which can include anxiety and depression. But usually those signs will wear off. Approximately 20% of moms will experience postpartum depression, which is signs and symptoms more intense and lasting longer than those first couple of weeks of hormonal dysregulation. Things like excessive crying, difficulty bonding with your baby, withdrawing from family and friends, inability to sleep, overwhelming fatigue. The list does go on and is also very confusing because as a new mom, no matter how you're feeling, you're tired and overwhelmed. And as always, if you're having any major concerns, please talk to your medical professional or reach out to a good friend that can help you talk to someone. If you know anyone that might be suffering from postpartum mood disorders, I'm definitely going to link some references in the show notes. I really appreciate Dr. Gray for being so honest about her story and her feelings and what she experienced. Thanks again, everyone. And I'll talk to you again in two weeks.